almost 30 years now and uh, pastored two little old churches for about 10 years, two different churches over a 10-year period of time. Then I've been doing prison work for almost 30 years, so I've been at this a while. Uh, married to the same woman uh, for 42 years. Amen. That's a miracle, ain't it? Hallelujah. And then my son, I just got one son. He's my pastor, pastor's Faith Independent Baptist Church in White Pine, Tennessee. I can tell you, you know where that's at, amen. It, it's really about 40 minutes from Pigeon Ford, Gatlinburg, uh, back towards Bristol. Anyway, anyway, if you're ever over there on vacation and a church day, good church, good church. Right off Exit 8, uh, Interstate 81, uh, you can't hardly miss it. But anyway, that's what I do. Appreciate uh, Brother Jackson letting me come. I'm going to read a few verses. You bear with me, and then I'll give you these thoughts. And try to be as brief as we can. I know got to work tomorrow. Kids got to go to school and all that stuff. So uh, I understand all that. Some preachers don't. Amen. <laughs> some preachers, some preachers need about six more months in the in the, in the cotton mill somewhere, don't they? Amen. Let them remember. Let them, I hope I don't do that. I have to criticize them like that. Verse one, Acts chapter nine, verse one. He said, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest, and desired of him letters to Damascus to the synagogue, that if he found any of this way, whether they were men or women, he might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus, and suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth, and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecuted. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Well, you look over in verse 19, same chapter, verse 19. He said, And, and when he had received meat, he was strengthened. Then was Saul certain days with the disciples which were at Damascus, and straightway he preached Christ in the synagogue that he is the Son of God. But all that heard him were amazed and said, Is not this he that destroyed them which called on this name in Jerusalem and came hither for that intent that he might bring them bound unto the chief priests? But Saul increased some more in strength and confounded the Jews which dwelt at Damascus, proving that this is very Christ. After that many days were fulfilled, the Jews took counsel to kill him. But their laying awake was known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples, but they were all afraid of him. I believe not that he was a disciple. Father, we thank you for traveling mercy to get here, the privilege tonight together to in your house. Thank you for this dear brother that's trusted us and invited us to come. Help us now as only you can. Give us liberty, just a few minutes to preach with. And Lord, help us say only that which is needful. And uh, Lord, help us be bold, but help us be kind and tender. And Lord, just let us be used to you to help your people and bring you glory. In Christ's name, amen and amen. Uh, everybody here most likely is familiar with this man named Saul who got converted and become the great apostle Paul. We all know before he got saved, uh, he had a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. In the name of religion, he thought he was doing right. The Bible said he wasted the church beyond measure, being more zealous of the traditions of his fathers. 
Then he said, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, I'm glad this man got saved. Amen. He put fear and anxiety in God's people. When they'd hear his name or know he was coming, they were afraid. Amen. The Bible said he even caused some to blaspheme. No doubt he wreaked such havoc on them that they recanted some of them their faith to keep alive. Amen. But here in Acts chapter 9, we see where he gets saved. Here in verse 25, it's where I want to use my thought tonight. He said, Then the disciples took him by night and led him down by the wall in a basket. Uh, This is a full-grown man. So it took more than one person to lower him down in this basket. Everybody had to get a hold of the rope, if you please. Now I want to preach just a few minutes, a simple thought on who's holding the ropes. Who's holding the rope? If you read this, I believe that Paul, or his name was Saul, before he got converted, was guilty of murder. He stood and consented to the stoning death of the great Saint Stephen and others. And so God, he was guilty of murder. The Lord said, Saul, Saul, why persecute thou me? When you read that, it sounds to me like the Lord takes it personal for what we do in the church, for the church, or what we do against the church. Amen. Uh, Paul, Saul was wreaking havoc on the church. That's God's body. Amen. Uh, and they're precious. So the Lord keeping account on what we do for the church, in the church, or against the church. People need to be careful how they badmouth God's church. Amen. And also badmouth God's man. Uh, God is keeping a record of it. Amen. Uh, here we have the converting of this man, Saul, who became the great apostle Paul. No one had ever been saved like this before. As far as we know, no one's ever been saved like this since. Amen. Uh, You read in Acts chapter 2, the day of Pentecost, 3,000 got saved uh, in one service. Um, Every Baptist preacher liked to have that experience. Um, Amen. The Bible said a short time later, five more thousand believed was added to the church. Um, Amen. Surely the goodness. uh, If a man had 3,000 saved one day and five more thousand a short time later, surely he'd make the front page of the sword of the Lord. Uh, Amen. Uh, But who cares? Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, Amen. Uh, But here, uh, this man Saul, uh, he wasn't in a church. He wasn't in a synagogue. uh, is on a dirty, dusty road uh, on his way to kill and arrest more Christians, uh, and God saved him. Amen. Uh, the book of Acts is a transitional book. Uh, you need to watch people who form their church doctrine uh, from Acts or Hebrews or the Gospels. Uh, most of our, uh, most cults of our day love to make their home uh, in this book. Uh, but here in Acts chapter 9, uh, we see where Paul, whose name was Saul, uh, got converted, uh, and God used him greatly. Uh, who would ever dream that this man who killed and persecuted Christians uh, would become one of the greatest preachers uh, that ever lived? Uh, who would ever dream that this man uh, would become one of the greatest missionaries uh, that's ever been written about? Uh, who would imagine such things happening uh, to a man that, that was such a tyrant uh, and such a vicious sinner before he got converted? Uh, uh, who would ever dream that this man, uh, Paul, would become an apostle? The uh, Bible said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, pastors, 
teaching, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith, uh, under the knowledge of the Son of God, under the perfect man, under the midst of the statue of the of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, uh, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, but a slight of men, by the cunning craftiness, who by the line wait to save, uh, but speaking the truth and love, make open him in all things which is ahead, even Christ, from whom no body is fitly joined together, compact every joint supplies, according to the effects of working of the measure every part, making increase uh, of the body and to edify itself in love. I ought to get an amen out of somebody. I worked hard on that. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. There is no apostles today. Uh, uh, amen. Uh, and no prophets. Uh, Amen. Uh, except false apostles, false prophets. Uh, amen. And most of them, uh, most of them's on TBN or the 700 Club. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, isn't that right? That which is perfect is come. 66 books of this King James Bible. Uh, if you're saved, you got the author, the Holy Spirit living in you. Uh, and he gave you an evangelist, pastor, teacher. Uh, teach you how to rightly divide it, put it in the right place to the right people at the right time. Uh, that you won't be as confused as a termite and a yo-yo when you're studying your Bible. Uh, how am I doing there? Uh, and if there is any apostles or, uh, or prophets, uh, they're false apostles, false prophets. Uh, and you've seen that crowd on TV. I'm sure you have. Uh, you know those ones that said God. God caught them up into the third heaven. Uh, amen. Had an out-of-body experience and is in the presence of Jesus. Uh, and he put his hand on their shoulder and gave them a new revelation, a new prophecy this Bible don't back up and sent them back to the earth. Why would you want to come back here? Uh, amen. Uh, and then they'll get on television and have all these nuts that watch them. Uh, amen. Uh, and they'll close their eyes and hold their head and they said, God's given me a new revelation here. Uh, I have a word of knowledge. Uh, I, uh, there's somebody in this crowd, uh, there's a truck driving this crowd that's got back trouble. You you can't miss. Every truck driver's got back trouble. Uh, hey man, there's a sucker born every day. Uh, but you know those charlatans, uh, and I won't go through the list of the some that I know, uh, but God help them. Amen. Uh, uh, who would ever dream that this man uh, would become an apostle? Uh, this man who killed and uh, wreaked havoc and put fear and anxiety in God's people, caused them to hide uh, when they heard his name, uh, would become one of the greatest church planners that ever lived. Uh, who had ever dreamed that this man who wreaked havoc upon God's church uh, put fear and anxiety uh, made their life miserable when he could uh, would write 13 books of the New Testament Bible. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. When you read this here in Acts chapter 9 uh, it shows that God can save anybody uh, anywhere, anytime he pleases uh, and do whatever he pleases with them. Uh, amen. You cannot put God in a box. Uh, he can do whatever he pleases uh, anytime he wants to. I'm glad that he got converted. He become the apostle to the Gentile world. Now if you're not a blood-born Orthodox Jew, you're a Gentile. And if you're saved, you're a descendant of this great man's ministry. He said, Lord, what will thou have me to do? And I don't have the answer for that, be honest with you. Amen. But what, what would you be saved if Paul hadn't done what God wanted to do? Hey, would it hinder folks from getting saved if you don't do what God wants you to do? Well, sure it will. And I'm sure the Lord could have raised up someone else. But Paul obeyed the Lord. I'm preaching on who's holding the ropes. And I feel like I got one around my neck right now. Could you help me some here? Hallelujah. Amen. I drove a long way to get over here. Hallelujah. Amen. I drank some coffee a while ago. Amen. Been on that, on that eye for a whole day. You could paint a fence with it. Hallelujah. I feel like I'm going to jump off this 
sing to in a minute. Uh, can't get God on you, just drink some of that coffee. Hallelujah. It'll help you. But, amen. I'm preaching on who's holding the robes. Uh, Bible said, be not weary and well doing from due season. We shall reap if we faint not. Uh, Paul said, I've laid a foundation. Other men built it thereupon. Uh, but let every man take heed how he built it thereupon. Well, the foundation can no man lay, uh, uh, which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. If any man built upon this foundation, gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, and stubble, uh, every man's work should be made manifest for the day shall declare it shall be revealed by fire and the fire shall try man's work what sort it is if any man's work shall abide which you built thereupon he shall receive reward uh, but if any man's work shall be burned he shall suffer loss himself be saved yet so as by fire uh, that's talking about the judgment seat of Christ uh, after the rapture of the church uh, somewhere up there in the heavens uh, amen uh, amen that's where we're leaving when we leave here God's people uh, those that's already passed away uh, and their body's been planted uh, they're going to resurrect with a new glorified body. Uh, and if it happened right now, we'd be changed in a moment. Twinkle and I caught up, uh, amen, through the roof of this building uh, uh, to meet Jesus Christ uh, and those resurrected saints somewhere uh, up there in the heavens. Uh, you say, I don't believe that. I know you're not going. Uh, it's for believers only. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Uh, and there we're going to give account. We're going to give account there on how we held the robes. Amen. Everybody's got somebody in their basket. Amen. Uh, not our sins. Christ took care of our sins. Uh, he knew no sin, but was made sin for us that we might be made the rights of God in Him. But when you got saved, the Holy Spirit brought you to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, convicted you through His Word. Amen. Let you know you was guilty before God as a sinner, made you ashamed of what you were and how you lived. Amen. Gave you faith, worked a work of repentance in your heart. And the very second you believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ paid your sin debt in full, shed His blood for your dirty sin. Uh, that very moment the Holy Spirit baptized you in His body. Uh, took up His abode in your body. Uh, washed your past, present, all your possible sins away. Uh, there's therefore now no condemnation in them in Christ Jesus. Uh, we'll never be condemned as a guilty sinner again. Uh, amen. Uh, and He imputed the rights of the Christ to you. Uh, clothed you in His righteousness. Uh, and when God looks at us tonight that's saved, uh, He doesn't see us in His sin. He sees us in His Son. Uh, and in His Son the there ain't no sin. Uh, hallelujah. But, uh, amen, uh, we do know that we're going to appear at the judgment seat of Christ and we're going to give account, uh, amen, not for sin, uh, amen, no sin there, uh, but the motive uh, behind what we do uh, for the uh, in His name since God moved in and took up His abode in our body. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Uh, are you holding your rope? Everybody needs to hold a rope. Over in Acts, uh, Mark chapter 2, uh, a fellow that was crippled couldn't get to the Lord. Uh, they heard that Jesus was in the, in the house. Uh, four men uh, got a hold of this man, uh, tried to get in, couldn't get in because of the press or the crowd. Uh, so they went up on the roof, didn't give their name. Uh, their name's not important. Your name's not important. Uh, my name's not important. It's his name. Uh, they tore the roof off that house, uh, lowered him down in the presence of God in a basket or some kind of a bed uh, with some ropes. Uh, Amen. And Jesus looked up and saw their faith and said to that man, Thy sins be forgiven thee. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. We're, we're responsible tonight to hold the rope. 
Amen. I believe I picked the wrong message, but I'm too far into it to back out now. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, There's some people in the Bible, and I'm trying to hurry. Uh, There's some people in the Bible that didn't hold the robes. Uh, Amen. Uh, Oh, John Mark, he didn't hold the robes. Uh, And I know Paul said uh, later to bring John Mark for he's profitable for the ministry. Uh, But for a while there, John Mark ran out on Paul and Barnabas in the middle of a missionary journey. Uh, I really don't know all the reason, maybe because of the poverty, uh, persecution, the difficulty of the way. Uh, maybe he got afraid. Uh, I don't really know. Uh, but he turned the ropes loose. Uh, and old Paul didn't want anything to do with him. Uh, but Barnabas was kin to him. Uh, amen. The blood's uh, uh, thicker than uh, water. Amen. Uh, amen. Most Baptist churches, everybody's kin. Uh, amen. You make one of them mad, you made them all mad. Uh, don't make no difference what the Bible says. Uh, that's, amen. That's my cousin preacher you're picking on. How am I doing right there? Uh, amen. Paul and Barnabas uh, uh, fell out over it. Uh, Bible said they, they departed asunder. Uh, well, I didn't know what that meant till I got married. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, uh, amen. That simply meant they went out slamming the door. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, you don't tell her you're mad. You just let her know. Uh, am I doing any good right here? Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, you say, preacher, you get mad at your wife and argue. I ain't today because uh, I had to preach. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. Uh, amen. I've told her I'm sorry many times when I really wouldn't just for I could sleep at night. Uh, they're not going to tell you they are. Amen. Uh, we promised never to go to bed mad. I stayed up a week at a time, but I've kept my end of the deal. Uh, how am I doing right there? Uh, 42 years. Amen. Just slam the door. Don't say nothing. Slam the door and go somewhere and cool off. <laughs> Hallelujah, amen, uh, amen. Bible said be angry and sin not, uh, amen. Uh, my problem is I anger and sin, don't you? Uh, but two matter is you might as well, hey, am I doing any good right here? Some of y'all look like you're in the dentist's office. I, I'm not drilling teeth there. I'm trying to preach, hallelujah. Old John Mark turned the ropes loose. Uh, Demas turned the ropes loose. Uh, Paul called Demas a fellow laborer in the book of Philemon. Uh, by a man, a fellow laborer. Uh, I believe Demas would run around the greatest preacher that ever lived. Uh, he'd be there on Sunday morning, uh, be back on Sunday night. He'd be there on prayer meeting night. Uh, after he'd been properly instructed how God financed uh, his work through the tithes and free will offers of God's people, uh, he had no trouble uh, giving at least 10% of his gross income. That's God's money. That ain't where you stop. That's where you start. Uh, amen. You ain't give nothing till you give above that. That's his money. He don't need your money. You need him. Uh, it's an act of faith. That which is not of faith is sin. God honors faith. Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, and, and he dig. If you was to build in a building, uh, need a little extra money, or had a project that took a little more money, he'd dig a little deeper. Amen. Uh, if you was building a building, doing the work yourself, uh, you was down in the ditch in the mud. Uh, uh, amen. He'd get him a mattock and a shovel and jump in the mud with you. He was a fellow laborer. Uh, amen. He was dependable at one time. Uh, but Paul writing about him in Second Timothy four ten, uh, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world and is departed under Thessalonica. Uh, I don't really know uh, Demas was a saved man. Uh, no doubt about it. I don't know all that got a hold of him. Uh, James said, let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted evil, neither tempted any man, but every man is tempted and drawn away of his own lust and entice. When lust conceived, or bring forth sin. Sin, when it's finished, bring forth death. Uh, we can't even blame the devil uh, when we get out of the will of God. Uh, all he can do 
is tempt us. Uh, amen. All he can do is put the bait out there. Uh, kind of like you. You like to fish. Uh, amen. You cannot make that fish uh, uh, take that bait. Uh, but you got to find out what kind of fish you're fishing for uh, and what they like. Amen. Uh, sometimes you got to have some live bait. Sometimes they'll fall for the artificial bait. Sometimes it's got to be shiny and sparkling. Amen. You just keep throwing out different bait till you find out what he likes. Uh, amen. Uh, and, and you know fishing, you get a little nibble uh, and you know he kind of likes what you got. You kind of reel it back in, wait on him to relax a little bit, cast it out there one more time and the next time he gets a hold of it, it's in the skillet. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. That's what happens. Uh, that's what happens. Uh, the devil, that's how he works on us. Uh, amen. Demons uh, turn the ropes loose. Uh, run out. He said he's forsaken me. Uh, he didn't say run out on the Lord or the church. He run out on me. Uh, Paul needed a friend uh, in a difficult time and Demas turned the ropes loose and deserted God's man. Uh, over in 2 Kings chapter 5, uh, there's a man there named Gehazi. Uh, he was a, a, a servant under Elisha the prophet. Uh, that story, 2 Kings 5, is talks about a man, a, a man named Naaman. Uh, he was a man of valor, a mighty man. Uh, but he was a leopard. Uh, amen. We all know tonight that leprosy is a picture of a, and a type of our sinful nature. Uh, it starts on the inside, undetected by the natural eye. Amen. Uh, outside a miracle, it start, uh, God stopping that disease, uh, it starts showing up on the flesh. Uh, then they have to go to the priest. The priest examines them and declares them clean or unclean. Uh, if they're declared unclean, they're separated from everybody that is clean. Uh, they have to cry unclean, unclean when they get near anybody. Uh, amen. And outside a miracle from God, uh, that disease destroys the nerves, the flesh rot and is distorted and they fall dead in a miserable pile of corruption. The Bible said the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's a picture of our sinful nature. But the Bible said over there in 2 Kings 5, there was a Jewish maid taken captive by the Syrian army. Doesn't give her name. Like I say, her name's not important. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, she was a slave in the enemy of Israel's home. Amen. She waited on Naaman's wife. She wasn't complaining about her lot in life. She knew Romans 8, 28, for it's ever written, all things work for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose. She knew God in his providential hand and sovereign act of God had placed her in this people's home to have compassion on this heathen. Amen. It's a picture of our sinful nature. And she watched him come and go. She watched his wife weep as she saw Naaman from a distance, watching her man slowly die from this disease uh, and no doubt the lady was weeping uh, it's my thinking about it and that Jewish maid said hey if you could get him down to the prophet's house uh, he could be healed she had confidence in the preacher uh, hallelujah uh, better watch bad mouth than the preacher in front of your youngins uh, and then wonder why they turn out to be rebels uh, when they get older amen uh, amen and uh, old Naaman got a letter from the king uh, amen and the king ran his clothes uh, amen uh, the government's not the answer, uh, especially this fool we got running the country right now. Uh, amen. He is not the answer. Uh, I'm doing right there. Uh, amen. I hope you didn't vote for him. Uh, if you did, don't shake my hand. My life's miserable enough 
without that mess being on me. Yeah. How am I doing right there? I had a tender moment right there. Hallelujah. Right. But you know the story. Uh, amen. Uh, finally, uh, old Naaman, no doubt, was a wealthy man because he's a military leader. Uh, he pulled up in front of Elijah's house uh, with this pompous uh, uh, crowd that he had, all his wealth. Uh, amen. Thought the man of God uh, was going to come out and clap his hand and heal him. Uh, amen. He thought, uh, amen, <laughs> I'm going to do an hour. Uh, thought, oh, uh, Benny Hinn was on the scene. Uh, apparently, amen. Uh, how am I doing on that one? Amen. Uh, but truth of the matter is, oh, Elisha didn't go out. Uh, he sent his servant Gehazi out. Uh, he said, you go out there and tell that man to go dip seven times in the Jordan River. Uh, amen. Uh, my, my version of that, uh, he said, you go out there and tell that rich leopard what we've been telling the poor leopard. Uh, don't make no difference what side of the tracks you live on. Uh, you can drink your booze out of a martini glass at the country club uh, or a brown paper bag up under a bridge. Uh, you're just a dirty sinner. Uh, amen. Same message. Uh, don't make no difference who you are. Uh, and, uh, and no Naaman got mad. Uh, got mad at the man of God. Uh, I wouldn't give you a nickel for a preacher. Don't make somebody mad uh, every, every now and then. I try to do that on a day-by-day basis. Hallelujah. I believe I've succeeded already tonight. Uh, he, didn't like, he didn't like the method either. He said, what about these two rivers where I live? Uh, you got to come God's way. Uh, it's His way or the highway. Amen. Uh, amen. And finally, uh, his own people probed him a little bit. Uh, in my thinking, uh, they were saying, Naaman, what do you got to lose? Uh, you're dying. You're going to die. Why don't you try this? Uh, see, it doesn't take a lot of faith to get saved. Uh, it takes the faith in the right person. Uh, amen. And old Naaman went and dipped seven times uh, in the Jordan River. When he come up the seventh time, uh, all that leprosy was gone. Uh, that's what the Lord does when he saves us. Uh, amen. All that sinful nature uh, in the mind of God makes us as clean uh, in the mind of God as Jesus Christ himself is. That's the way he looks at us. That's what God does when he saves somebody. Oh, Naaman wanted to pay Elijah for the miracle that God did. See, this stuff's not for sale. It's a gift. He wouldn't take no pay. Amen. But oh, Gehazi is a picture. Amen. Oh, Gehazi had all kinds of potential and opportunities. And he threw it out the window for a few dollars and a few garments. He ended up with leprosy. Lied. And the man of God called his hand on him. Oh, Samson, I'm trying to hurry. Yeah, I really am. I, I know I'm getting dragged. Oh, Samson, he, he didn't hold a rope. So, not like Samson. You can say what you want to. He's in Hebrews chapter 11 as one of the heroes of our faith. Uh, amen. I liked him when he took the jawbone of an ass and killed a thousand Muslims. I mean, a thousand Philistines. Uh, I about messed up there. Hallelujah. Uh, amen. Uh, that's what they'd be our day. Uh, I got to thinking myself, uh, he done killed 999 of them. Uh, hallelujah. And the last one said, I believe I can take him. Uh, you're talking about a bunch of dumb people. Amen. Uh, amen. Uh, when the Spirit of God come upon him, boy, he wreaked havoc on the enemy. He had no trouble with them Philistines, but he had trouble with his flesh. Amen. The Bible said, love not the world, neither things in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not him. All that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away in the lust of the earth, but he that doeth the will of God abide forever. Delilah is a picture of the world. Oh, oh, oh Samson had a Nazarite vow. Wasn't supposed to cut his hair. That has something to do with his appearance. Wasn't supposed to drink no strong drink. Had something to do with his appetite. He wasn't supposed to touch no dead thing. That had something to do who he associated with. 
Bible said, Be not unequal yoked together with unbelievers. What fellowship have right with unright? What communion have light with darkness? What concord has Christ with Belial? What part of he to believe with the nail? What agreement has the temple of God with God? Be the temple of God. God shall not dwell in him, walk in him, be their God. Wherefore, come out from month and be separate, say the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing. I receive you. I shall be a father. You shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Amen. Samson broke all three of them cardinal rules. Amen. Before he fell, before he turned the ropes loose, oh, Samson, when he go by, that, that length of his hair was a mark of separation. Everybody knew who he was. He was God's man because he had a mark of separation. But when he lost the mark of separation, he lost the power of God in his life. And he wished not that the Lord depart from him. Had his eyes poked out. And then Philistines was mocking him, blaspheming God because of it. By the way, when you lose your mark of separation, when you start dressing like the world, talking like the world, hanging around worldly places, amen, you'll lose the power of God in your life. I've been married 42 years. This preacher, trust me, come over here and preach. Really been around me a few times. The truth of the matter is, uh, he trusts me. Amen. But if he heard tomorrow that I deserted my wife, for another woman, brought shame, reproach upon my family and, and my God and the church. He still loved me as a because I'm a brother, but he never let me come over here to preach again. That's where the power's at. That life of separation, holiness, godliness. Amen. That's right. And when we get to straying off living like an idiot, amen, we'll have no power like old Lot. He warned his son-in-laws about judgment, and they mocked him because he's sitting down there in the gate with them sodomites and all that filth. Amen. He called them sodomites his brothers. You're pretty bad shape when you can do that. Well, that went over real big. Amen. I'm a doing there. Amen. Oh, Samson got right. His hair started going back before he ever prayed to get right. God knew he was going to get right before he knew he was going to get right. Amen. Well, anyway, am I doing any good here? Yeah. I'm the only way to go. I'm not, y'all ain't helping me much. <laughs> hey, there's some people in the Bible that did hold the ropes. Oh, Joshua, he said, for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Yeah. Oh, Caleb at 85 years old said, give me this mountain. Yeah. They held the ropes. Stevens, uh, as they stoned him to death, gnashed on him with their teeth. Acts chapter 6 said his face looked like that of an angel. Amen. He preached to that wicked religious crowd Amen. And they hated it. Amen. Jesus stood up in honor of this man as they was killing him. And he looked up and saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He said, lay not this charge to their account. And he gave up the ghost. What a Christian. Oh, Joseph, over in the Old Testament Bible, amen, his brothers hated him. He was in a pit. Amen. Throwed him in a pit. Ended up in Pontifer's house. Then he was falsely accused of attempted rape. Ended up in prison. Before it was over, he ended up second in command in the palace of the known world. It took several years before he got from the pit to the palace. Amen. You know what he did? He just kept holding the ropes. Hallelujah. Amen. You, you go through a difficult time, you just keep holding the ropes. Hey, God will exalt you in due time if you stay faithful. 
Oh, Paul, he held the rope. He said, I fought a good fight, finished the course, kept the faith. Henceforth they laid up for me a crown of righteousness. But the Lord, the righteous judge, give me that day, not to me only, but also unto all them that love his appearing. He wrote that right before they cut his head off. I don't think they wrestled him down to get it to do. He said, for me to be absent, the body be present, or have a depart, desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. I believe he laid his head down there and said, get on with it, boys. I'm getting ready to go to the house. Hallelujah. Oh, Jesus on the cross, uh, God himself. He could have wiped out his whole plan if he wanted to. Uh, amen, he's God. Uh, but as they crucified him, uh, amen, the uh, Bible said he looked out on that crowd and said, Father, forgive them for they know not what to do. Uh, they do. And he gave up the ghost. Hallelujah. Uh, I'm glad that he held the ropes. Uh, if he hadn't held the ropes, you and I would be wasting our breath here tonight. Amen. Well, why do you hold the rope, preacher? Well, they took this man, Saul, who became Paul by night, and laid him down by the wall in a basket. The Jews were looking to kill him, and anybody caught helping him was going to be killed. They were not going on a Sunday afternoon picnic. These people were putting their life on the line to help this man. By the way, they didn't know that this was uh, Paul, the Bible writer. They didn't know that this was Paul, the apostle. They didn't know uh, this was Paul, uh, Paul, the church planner. Matter of fact, they were afraid of him, and they weren't even sure he's saved. What they were doing, just holding the ropes. Just doing what they're supposed to do at that time. They didn't know God was going to use this man in such a great way. Amen. They were afraid of him. They, they were afraid of him for a long time. Matter of fact, Barnabas had to uh, kind of smooth things over for him. Amen. Uh, they really didn't want nothing to do with him after and after he got saved. Amen. Uh, amen. You know, some people brought up in church, uh, and, and when they get saved, they already have a foundation to stand on. They've already been uh, indoctrinated uh, with moral uh, integrity and, and some, uh, and some uh, character, and they know they already have something to stand on. Because their mom and dad's kept them in church all their life. So when they get saved, they, they don't struggle like some of the rest of us. But some people have never been in church much. And uh, they've lived a pretty vile, filthy lifestyle and been pretty rough. I know what that's like. I've been down that road. And even when you get saved, you, 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 might, not, you might not stand up on your feet like everybody thinks you ought to, by the way. Amen. When a person gets saved, I don't care if he's 50 year old, in the, in the, in the way the Bible tells you, he's just a baby. Just a baby in the Lord. Baby can't feed himself, can't clean himself. Amen. Can't stand on his own feet. Amen. He's just helpless. He needs somebody to nourish him alone. That's what the church is for. Amen. Amen. And then there's a little children's stage, 1 John 2, and then a young man's stage, and then a father's stage. Amen. It takes a while to get on your feet. Don't count them out just because they didn't run as fast and as fast as you do. Amen. And don't count them out just because they're not uh, right off the bat just as faithful as you think they ought to be. Amen. They've got a lot of luggage they've got to work on to try to get on their feet. Amen. Uh, how am I doing right there? Amen. Uh, and you say, preacher, why should we hold a rope? Somebody held the rope for you. Before I got saved, I... They taught me into going to church sometime. They didn't ask me to give one dollar down there at that church. They didn't ask me to clean the church. Didn't ask me to mow the lawn. Didn't ask me to clean the bathrooms. Didn't ask me to do anything. Somebody else was paying the mortgage on the building. Somebody else was paying the salary, taking care of the preacher and his family. Somebody else was paying the light bill. 
Somebody else was doing all the work around the church. They didn't ask me to do nothing. Then you know what they did? They had me in their basket, and they're just holding me with a rope. Amen. Sinners don't understand. They're blind. They're ignorant. Spiritual thing. Natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, but they're foolish. Neither can he know them because the Spirit is earned. He has no idea what's all going on until he gets born again. You have to learn those things. Amen. Uh, you know, before I got saved, and I'm not whining about it, there were no Christians in our home. Everybody in my family drank liquor, made liquor, and, and whatever else they want to do. Amen. Smoked two or three packs of cigarettes a day, cussed every breath. Amen. I mean, that's just the way sinners live. Some express their sinful natures more ugly outwardly than others, but every one of us are sinners. Amen. And nobody, nobody was, uh, every now and then you might go to church, but most of us never did hang around the church much. But back in the 50s, I'd stay with my grandparents a lot, and uh, my grandpa made moonshine liquor, and my grandma, he'd get drunk, he was a very violent man, and when he'd get drunk and he'd beat my grandmother up with his fist while he's drunk, she'd get drunk, put up with him. And, and uh, it's just an ugly mess around there. My mom and dad had the same kind of problem. Uh, amen, just doing what sinners do. Uh, amen, uh, in the dark, don't understand. Uh, but there was a fellow lived out the road from my grandma and grandpa uh, when the roads were gravel back then and you could leave your, leave your screen door open, didn't have to worry about some pervert grabbing your babies up. Uh, amen, uh, and his name was Faye Manning, preacher Faye Manning. Uh, had eight youngins, had eight youngins. Uh, had a little old farm out there, just barely did seem like he made ends meet. Uh, had one young and one girl, the cripple from birth, every muscle in her body was crippled. She wore diapers till she was 44 years old, uh, uh, amen, uh, until the Lord took her home. Uh, preacher man and uh, uh, his boys were my buddies. Uh, he wouldn't let his youngins stay all night at my house. Uh, I didn't understand that back then, but I do now. Uh, he wasn't bettering us. He just didn't want his youngins around that kind of environment. Uh, amen. Uh, amen. He wasn't a Pharisee. He uh, didn't think he was better. He was a holy man. Holy man. You got around him, uh, he, if you had a dirty mouth, automatically you just shut it up. He didn't uh, look down his nose at you and just say nothing. It's just something about him. He had respect for this holy man. He wouldn't let his kids stay all night at my house, but he'd come by my house. My grandma and grandpa, they lived just right out the road, and he'd blow the horn, and he said, Hey, David, once you come out and spend the night with the boys, we're going to cut some watermelon, cantaloupe, make some homemade ice cream. Jesus said, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. So they put them melons and ice cream on the hook. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, back then, you know, they buried their dead at home. They'd bring them home to view them, then bury them. Uh, and they'd have prayer meeting. We'd eat them melons, crank that ice cream maker. Um, they'd have prayer meeting in the yard. Preacher Manning was a country preacher. Uh, he was a hacking preacher. Uh, when he prayed, he'd hack. And, and when he preached, he'd hack. They'd, they'd pray, and then they'd have meeting, and neighbors would come in in the yard, and they'd have old-time meeting right there in the yard. Uh, I just a little old bitty boy, uh, and he, he preacher Manning, he had me in his basket. He had a hold of rope. And he'd get to praying and preaching in his yard, and God was sowing the seed of God's word in my heart as a boy when my heart was tender. My heart was tender. Had a log house, big log house, old log house. Had feather, feather mattresses and feather pillars, and I'd stay all night out there. His oldest boy was my best friend, then, and 
and Preacher Manning would get up in the morning and go milk his cows and slop the hogs and feed the chickens, and I could hear him. He didn't pray for me to hear him, uh, but he'd pray out the barn uh, after he'd get done with his chores, uh, and you could hear him hacking and going on, and I could kind of tell when he broke through the clouds. Uh, amen. <laughs> amen. He called my name out. He said, Lord, that little Epps boy, uh, he don't have a chance. Uh, if you don't turn the light on for him, if you don't show him the way, if you don't convict him, uh, he don't have a chance. Amen. Uh, he call my family's name out and call the neighbor's name out. Uh, he was a holy man. Uh, then sometimes he'd get me and his boy. He said, boys, I want to go over here on the back side of the farm. He had a place over there to go pray. Uh, and we'd get on his, uh, uh, on his hay wagon, his tractor, and we'd ride over there uh, back then. That's when, uh, back then, everybody, when America was really free, uh, about everybody on the little farm had a sinkhole. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's where you throwed all your junk. <laughs> That's before the tree huggers took over. And the global warming crowd. Yeah. By the way, they was lying to us in 1975, said we was running out of gas. Yeah. Amen. You think they're telling us the truth now? No. Amen. Drop the speed limit to 55. You can walk faster than that. <laughs> Amen. Made life miserable, didn't it? Gasoline, $5 a gallon. It's going to get that way pretty soon here. Amen. Oh, yeah. Bubbling out of the ground up there in Alaska. Ain't that one of our states? Didn't we trade them Indians some beads or something for that? Bubbling out of the ground. They say, well, don't want to drill up there. Mess up the environment for the polar bear. You seen one today? Somebody said, I like to look at the polar bear. I do too through a scope. <laughs> Hallelujah. Shoot him. Get us some cheap gas down here. Praise God. How am I doing right there? Some of y'all ain't going to smile all night. This is a tough crowd, amen. Some of y'all, the reason I'm in the prison is I pastored something like this. Hallelujah. I'm trying to tell you, hey, I'm trying, I don't know how I got on that. Hey, he'd pray over there. Me and his boy would kill snakes, try to find something to make a toy out of. And he'd pray sometime for an hour, sometime two hours, till he's soaked. You used to be able to walk country roads back when I was a boy like that and hear old-time preachers up in the woods or praying, talking to God. And he called my name out. He said, Lord, this little elf's boy, he, he ain't going to get right. He's going to go to hell if you don't show him. He pastor, he, he did pastor too many little, little country churches. They have church once a month, twice a month, back in these hollers. Sometimes wouldn't run 15 people. And he'd load me up with his family, all his whole family, little dirty mouth boy, and take me to church anytime he could. And he'd get to preaching in the church and hacking, hold his ear. He'd walk up and down the aisle. He'd get me by the shoulder sometimes as a boy and said, Dave, won't you come up here and let the Lord save you? And it embarrassed me then, but it don't, wouldn't now. I wish I'd listened sooner. Am I doing any good? I was telling about my grandpa, and I'm trying to hurry. I say that all the time. I mean it. My grandpa made that moonshine liquor, made him violent. He beat my grandmother up. When I was 14 years old, I was still lost. I was a lost boy uh, with a chip on my shoulder and bitterness in my heart. Felt like I got a raw deal in life. And uh, my grandpa had been drunk for two or three days and mean. He's mean. And, and, uh, he, and I made the mistake of sassing him when he was drunk like that. And I talked back to him. And I used some cuss words when I talked to him. And uh, before the day was over, he shot me with a 12-gauge shotgun and left me laying in a patch of woods up behind his house. It's kind of funny tonight. It wasn't funny that day. It scared me more than it hurt me. Amen. And I was bleeding real bad out the back of my head because of the shotgun pellets, little old BBs all over the left side of my body. And I screamed, and Preacher Manning's wife, her name was Opal. These people are all in heaven now. Come running through the woods. She heard me screaming. She said, my God, that old fool shot this young man. 
wasn't long after that, my grandpa and grandma visit Fairview Bible Baptist Church, and when they come home that day, they throw the liquor out the door, put the shotguns up in the closet, started going to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Something happened to them down there at that church. You know what they did? First thing they did, they got to hold the rope. My grandpa had a gold-plated, solid gold-plated tube. And when, he wasn't the kind, he was a real stern kind of fella. Uh, after he got saved, uh, he wouldn't shoot you, but you didn't want to run your mouth. He'd still slap your brains out with something. But uh, he was a tough old bird. But when he'd get excited about something, that tooth would shine in the light. My grandma, oh, she, she was uh, illiterate. She never learned how to read or write. Uh, she didn't get to go to school. When she was a little girl in the early 1900s, uh, she'd heard Burford, Bar- she'd uh, heard turkeys across Clinch Mountain, which is about 25 miles across that mountain to the market there in Morristown in the early 1900s. She wore dresses down to here, little old aprons and little old sock feet. She died when she was 93. She couldn't read or write. She was illiterate. You couldn't impress her with Hebrew and Greek. You can't me either. I got a good English Bible here. Amen. Amen. My mom couldn't read one word of this Bible. If you didn't know her name already, you'd see her scratch her name on her social security check or something. If you didn't know what her name was, you couldn't have read it. It was just like chicken scratching. But my mom loved me. And in the 60s, I got strung out on dope. And uh, it's been the hippie movement and the Vietnam War and all the insanity that was going on then with all that and the drug culture sweeping into America uh, during that time. And I got uh, really bad shape. On dope, and uh, if it hadn't been for the, her and my pa, I wouldn't have had a place to sleep. Sometime they let me stay there, a full-grown man, too sorry to work, too sick to work, just a bum. My ma cared about me. my pa cared about me. Amen. They let me live there, and and they give me a bed to sleep in, a bowl of beans that keep me from sleeping in a mission house or some cockroach-infested place somewhere, and uh, they cared about me. Every now and then I'd come in drunk, doped up, my grandpa getting mad at me, throw all my clothes out in the yard, said, Dave, you got to go. I, I can't put up with no more of that. And I don't blame him. I wouldn't have put up with it either. When he'd go to bed, my grandma would go out there and get it all up out of the yard and bring it back in the house. And she said, boy, if you'll keep your mouth shut, he'll get over being mad at you. And he would. My mom couldn't read or write, but she met the God of the Bible. And she knew the principle here. Amen. Go out into the highways and hedge and compel them to come in. My house might be filled. Uh, I, was, I believed in the virgin birth before I ever got saved. I've never doubted Christ's virgin birth in all my life. I have doubted my new birth, but I never doubted his virgin birth. I never did doubt my new birth till I got it. Yeah. Amen. Does that make any sense to you? Yeah. Amen. But the truth of the matter is, my mom, Christmas would come around, and she'd say, hey, David, you go to church with me. It's Christmas, you know. Resurrect, I mean, uh, the virgin birth, and, and I'd go because I loved her. And uh, I wore bell bottom breeches and patches on them, and a t shirt, had hair down here, t shirt with a peace sign on it. <laughs> what an idiot. Hey, man, me, Nixon, and the Pope, amen. <laughs> Bunch of idiots, that's all we was. And, uh, and I said, Ma, I ain't got nothing to wear. She said, I'll buy a new pair of breeches, new shirt, boy, if you go to meeting with me. They didn't care what I looked like down there. But she knew if that's the only thing keeping me from going, she'd cut me off at the pass. Then they'd have, uh, you know, Easter come around. I believe that, uh, the historical fact about Jesus Christ bodily resurrected. I believe that as a heathen. I knew that was so. Amen. She said, hey, it's Easter. 
Uh, and then they have homecoming. Y'all have homecoming with the fried chicken, taters, island, pies, and cakes. Even the drunk will go for a free meal. Hallelujah. Amen. They put a chicken wing on the hook. Hallelujah. She said, they're cooking down there, and I'd go down there and eat that chicken. Before you got to eat that chicken, though, that preacher would hang you out over hell for about 45 minutes. Uh, make you feel like a sheep-killing dog. Uh, when they got done preaching, I didn't want no chicken. I wanted out there. Hallelujah. Uh, faith come by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. My grandma, she didn't know much, but she had a hold of me. You wouldn't badmouth me around her, even when I was my worst time in life. She just, she'd tell you, shut up, you know, I'm good to say, amen. You know, before you get under conviction, you don't want nobody to bother you. They say, hey, you know, and I say, well, that's great, man. I'm glad you got something that's helped you and all, and I'm glad you're happy, but I'm not interested. This don't bother me with that religious stuff. I'm not interested. But when you get under conviction, you don't know you're under conviction until you get converted. Look back and see how you got under conviction. And when you get under conviction, it bothers you that they don't bother you. Does that make sense? You need to be bothered if you're not bothered. Ain't that right? Amen. I say one time, I said, Ma, how come you quit inviting me to church so much? She said, well, you say all a bunch of hypocrites down there, and all the preacher wants your money. Amen. Talks about about everybody. I just got them praying for you now. You get about 200 people praying for you, something's going to happen to you. Oh, it's miserable. Amen. I'm talking about a dope shooting, dope snorting, vile, vulgar, sinful man. That's where I was at. That's miserable. Miserable under conviction. It wasn't Christmas, wasn't Easter, wasn't homecoming. One Sunday morning after being drunk almost all night and doped up, I woke up on Sunday morning and in my mind, I'm thinking, I believe I'll go to church today with my grandma just to make her happy. I said, Ma, I believe I'll go to meeting with you today. She lit up like a lamp. My grandpa's tooth was just shining in the light. I didn't get saved that Sunday. I didn't get saved that Sunday. It was the first time I'd ever been to church in my life where I hated to see the service over. I didn't know what was going on. Real peaceful in there. People getting saved. People getting right. People rejoicing. It's just a peaceful place to be. Miserable conviction. I was leaving that day. My cousin met me at the back door. She'd been pretty rough herself. She'd gotten saved and tears running down her face. She said, David, will you come back sometime? I said, well, maybe I will. Maybe. You know, you just kind of, maybe. And I, I, I thought if I could get my act together, if I could quit this doping and this drinking and this cussing and this filthy living, if I could just get me a job and get on my feet, get my act together, maybe I'd be all right. And I stayed around the house trying to struggle. I struggled out pretty bad. It was a tough week. And, uh, and, uh, and I hung around there trying to stay away from all that stuff and, and get straightened out. And this old boy just come home from Vietnam, better man I've ever been. And uh, somebody beat him to death not long after that and throwed him in the river. He was a good man, a war hero. He'd come to my house. Had a new Corvette he'd bought, probably from drug money or gambling. And said, hey, Epps, let's go. Let's go. And I loaded up like I always do on Saturday and went and done crazy stuff like we'd always done. And my boy and y'all, I'm trying to hurry here. I come in about 3 o'clock in the morning, staggered in there to bed. 7 o'clock the next morning, 1974, month of November, my grandma pecked on my bedroom door. She said, David, you go to... Church will be again today. I said, Ma, I can't go today. I'm too sick. I went across town 
to a housing project apartment uh, where you could buy dope. These old boys sold dope. And I went over there trying to get me something to calm my nerves down. And uh, I was sitting over there, and the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost came over there in that dope house. Why he picked me out of that crowd, didn't speak to them other boys, I can't explain that to you. But in my mind, I kept thinking, uh, if you put the dope down, David, put the booze down, and you leave right now, you get over at the church before the service is over. That's not normal thinking for a sinner. Amen. And I wrestled with that a while. I thought maybe I was having a nervous breakdown or something. I, I was coming apart at the hinges. I was probably legally intoxicated, but I've never been no more sober in my life. And I wrestled with that. And finally, about 20 minutes after 11, I set the booze down, the dope down. I said, I'll see you, boys. They said, where are you going, Epps? I said, I'm going to church. They said, why? I said, I don't know why. They said, you must be stoned. I said, stoned, drunk, or crazy. I'm sick of all this. I didn't know I was going to get saved. I didn't know really what being saved really meant. Amen. I pulled in a church parking lot where my grandma and grandpa was members. I was weeping in the parking lot, just weeping, uncontrollably weeping. Walked through the door of that church. There's probably 200, 250 people, like 500 eyeballs. Seemed like they was all looking at me. It was 1130. Singing was over. Preacher Winston, he's in heaven tonight. He's preaching about Calvary, how the darling son of God died for filthy sinners like me. And uh, when I come through the door, it sounded like this, like he said, God loves you. I thought he was talking to me. I sit down next to my grandpa. And grandma, he was a-weeping. The tooth was a-shining in the light. I was a-weeping. That old man patted me on the leg and said, boy, we're so glad you're here. I said, I'm glad I'm here too. And the preacher got done preaching, and I'd been around church enough to know. He said, would anybody, amen, I, I'd been around enough to know, uh, you didn't have to sing three sad songs by the Do-Right Quartet to get me to move, amen. As uh, soon as he said, would anybody like, I knew he said, would anybody like to come? I was sitting about like that brother there. I got saved sitting there, but I didn't know it until I read my Bible later. I believe with all my heart what he was saying. I was ashamed of my sin, wanting to turn away from me. That's repentance, amen. And I went forward, fell on my face, weeping. About 40 people got down praying around me. They didn't stick 45 Bible verses under my nose trying to explain the book of Revelation, the book of Daniel to me. What would that mean to me? Uh, somebody said, you pray the sinner's prayer. I guess I did. Every prayer I'd ever prayed was a sinner's prayer. What did I know about a sinner's prayer? Uh, did you come down the Romans Road? No, I drove down Marguerite Drive. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. When I got up off my knees, my little grandma was doing that. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, hallelujah. Amen. People weeping and shout, I'm glad I got in. Hallelujah, amen. In the basket. My grandpa, he passed away sometime later. My grandma pretty much become a prisoner in her own home. She couldn't drive, you know how. Couldn't read or couldn't write. And uh, you thought she was a little backward if you met her. And amen. She had all kinds of money. She's smarter than I was. Hallelujah. But true matter, my mom, when my pa died, my, my grandma become a prisoner in her own home. And uh, I'm preaching on who's holding the rose. Uh, I, my grandma had a stroke. She's 93. She took care of herself till she's 93. And she had a stroke and, and, and a few days before she died. And it messed her up in her head. And they had her tied in the bed. Hands tied, feet tied to the bed because she was fighting and trying to pull all this stuff loose and they had her on medication that wasn't doing her right. And me and my wife went in in the middle of the night. My grandma was a struggling, little cotton-headed woman. I said, I got her by the knee. I said, Ma, you know who this is? She raised up in the bed and said, yeah, that's you, David. 
You'll take me home, won't you? And just a little while later, the Lord took her on to heaven. I got to think about that, and I'm quitting right here. I know I've been long-winded. At the judgment seat of Christ, when all the saved, from the beginning to the end, appear in the presence of the Lord at the judgment seat of Christ, multiple millions of people, farther than any eye can see, in the presence of a holy God, Jesus sitting on his throne, amen, but looking face to face, we'll find out what we really are then. And I got to think, and I might not be right on this, but I think I'm right. Old Testament saints, as far as you can see, and the Lord calling them forward, amen. Abraham, would you step forward, please? I see here where Abraham, on your record, that you was going to sacrifice your own son, going to put your own son to death, because I told you to, because you believe so much that I'd resurrect him after that. Great shall be thy reward. Moses, will you step forward, please? I see here, Moses, will you put up the two to three million backslidden people? All they did is murmur and complain for 40 years. You put up with that. Kind of like Baptist folks, ain't they? Amen. Great shall be thy reward. Amen. Elijah, I see here where you prayed fire down out of heaven. Amen. And then chop them prophets of Baal up with a sword. Great shall be thy reward. Hallelujah. And on and on, you can name them, you know. Uh, amen. Noah, I know Noah got fouled up, but you have to give him a lot of credit. 120 years he worked on that ark. Amen. In obedience to God's word, labored and built that ark, which is a picture and a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Uh, 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 great shall be thy reward. Then you come down to the New Testament saints. You could go through all this. Uh, but New Testament saints. Simon Peter, would you step forward, please? I see here where they say you was crucified upside down because you felt unworthy to be crucified with the Lord, like the Lord. Great shall be thy reward. James, I see here where you were beheaded for the cause of Christ. Great shall be thy reward. John the Baptist, I see here where you was beheaded for preaching on adultery while the guilty party was present. You can preach on that as long as you want to, as long as they're not around. But the guilty party being around, you might get your head cut off. Hallelujah. Amen. Great shall be thy reward. On and on. And then Myrtle Jefferson. Myrtle. Myrtle. Where you at back there, Myrtle? Step on out, Myrtle. You don't have to hang your head down, Myrtle. You ain't got nothing to be ashamed of, Myrtle. I know you couldn't read or write. Didn't know how to drive. I know that you didn't have much opportunity to do more than you got to do, but I see here where you're faithful, Myrtle. Hold your head up, Myrtle. Come on up here closer. I'm not mad at you, Myrtle. You're not in competition with all these people that just come forward. All you was responsible for, Myrtle, was holding your rope. All you was responsible for, that one person that was in your basket. I see here, Myrtle, where one year you was in 50 penitentiaries. Oh, no, Lord, there must be a mistake here. Only time I've ever been in jail is when I went down there to sign my grandson's bond when he was getting jail for being drunk or doped up or being in fist fights or doing something stupid. I'd go down there and I was always embarrassed because I, I couldn't hardly sign my name, and I had to sign my name in front of all them people to get that boy out of jail. That's the only time I've ever been to jail, Lord. 
I see here one time, Myrtle, you was in Mexico in three prisons in just a couple of days' time trying to tell them Mexicans how to get saved and you couldn't even speak Spanish. Oh, no, Lord, you must be mistaken. I, I don't even know where Mexico is. I, I couldn't even drive. When my man died, I become a prisoner in my own home, in my own yard. I see here, Myrtle, we is over Landrum, South Carolina. Preaching in Landrum, Independent Baptist Church. Oh, no, Lord, I know that's a mistake. I don't believe in women preachers, Lord. I don't either. Hallelujah. I got one that I listen to, and the only reason I do what she says, I don't want to pay alimony. Hallelujah. That's the only reason I do that. <laughs> Amen. Somebody needs to tell George Byers how to put her lipstick on. She looks like the Joker, don't she? I'm here. She's got another too. <laughs> How'd you like to be married to her? <laughs> she got a deeper voice than you do. <laughs> Well, that's the last thing a man will be married to is somebody, a woman that looks like a, a mechanic or something. God damn. How am I doing on that one, amen? Well, that went over big. Yeah, I messed the whole meeting up, didn't I? Lord, you must be mistaken. I never have done anything. I don't even know how to read your book. Yeah, Murder, you know that grandson? You know that grandson you cared so much about that you put up with him, prayed for him, You'd beg him to go to church where you, any way you could get him under the sound of the word of God. Faith come by hearing. You know that grandson? You know that grandson's been all over the country preaching and some other states, other countries preaching. Everywhere he's been, Myrtle, you've been with him because you're just faithful holding the rope, just having him in your basket. Am I doing any good here? You see them little youngers there? I don't know who the mama is, but they're in your basket. You don't know what God might do with that little old boy there. Yep. Amen. Amen. He might be one of the greatest preachers you ever seen. Who knows? You know what your responsibility is? Just have him in the basket. Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Am I doing right, Charlie? Amen. 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 That little girl there, pretty little girl. Is that your young? She's in your basket. That your young Amen. Amen. If you turn the rope loose, what's going to happen to her? What's going to happen to her? This young man here, you've been in church all your life, boy. You ought to thank God. That's a privilege. Amen. It's a privilege. It's, you might not take it for real, but it's a privilege that somebody kept you around here long. All these little old young. Amen. Am I doing any good here? Yes. Rope of faithfulness. God don't ask us to do anything that we can't do. If he wants you to do it, he'll give you the ability to do it. Rope of finances. Amen. Rope of fellowship. I like it, don't you? Rope of forgiveness. We get mad at each other every now and then, don't you? I do. I could live right if I didn't have to drive so much, couldn't you? I've never seen so many idiots in my life on the highway. <laughs> my wife said, you're so impatient. I said, no, that guy for his brain dead. That's what's the matter with don't even know I'm headed to church to spread joy and cheer? Get out of the way. Hallelujah. I've things to do. How am I doing right there? That's about it, ain't it? We get upset with each other sometimes, with people. Amen. Get crossed up. You say you're sorry. Make it right. Little leaven, left to hold up. Little foxes for the vine. Little old unforgiving attitude and a bitterness get in your heart. Tire of church all the pieces. Over nothing. Over nothing. Most of the time it's over nothing. Because we're too proud and we ain't, we're such babies in the Lord. We ain't got enough God about us to, to get over being upset. 
That's the truth. Well, I'm going to quit right there. That's just it, ain't it? Well, I quit, preacher. I just tried to give you something to think about. I'm glad somebody held the rope, kept me in their basket. Come on. Come on, preacher, I quit. Get my notes out of the way.